Well, welcome to WNZN Radio, coming to you from Lorain, Ohio. Very happy that you tuned in for one more Saturday on this beautiful summer morning. And uh, again, you know, David, it seems like the last six weeks we've had guests from literally around the world. Yeah. And as promised, we're going to have a very special guest today. But this is 89.1 FM Radio. And if you're having any problem getting the signal, as we always say, just live stream it. Go to your computer, put in www. Um, WNZN.org, and you just, it's as clear as a bell. That's yes. what we've been seeing yeah. of late. So, yeah, it's it's just a great time when we have special guests on, Dave, and I want you to introduce Trish to the audience. Sure. And uh, I know there's going to be a lot of interest, and yeah. people are going to want to know more about this ministry and, the, and your testimony, your life, and everything. So, Dave, I'm going to hand it over to you. Yeah, and thanks, thank you, John. Trish, for being here. Thank, thank you very yeah. much. So, uh, welcome, Trish. We have uh, Trish Campbell here today and her husband, who didn't want to be interviewed, but he's sitting with us in the studio. And my wife's here, too. And so it's a, it's a, it's a wonderful day. But uh, Trish, you uh, authored a book, Eight is Enough. Eight was enough. Eight was enough. And, uh, you know, I have known you and Dave for over 20 years and kind of lived through a little bit. Uh, you know, your life with adopting five kids and you had three biological kids of your own. I mean, it was unbelievable. I know when we had young kids, Marilyn and I went to your house in Hunting Valley with the dogs and the kids, and I thought to myself, oh, my gosh, Marilyn. You know, I, I, I don't have the patience for – we have two kids of our own, <laughs> biological, but I just can't imagine. <laughs> so um, what I thought we would do today is we would start off, kind of break it up this way, you know, give your life background from, I know you lived in Boston to Cleveland, and then meeting uh, Dave, getting married, your faith walk, uh, the adoptions, uh, inspiration and process, you know, that, that that's really interesting. Life with all these kids, um, the further challenges that you had with special needs kids, and then we can get into the life lessons, what's next. And would you do it again? So that that's kind of just. <laughs> so if you want to open up and give us the start uh, from Boston to Cleveland. And, okay. Yeah. Well, thanks for having me, sure. Dave and John. I really appreciate you reaching out to me. And uh, yes, I did grow up in mm-hmm. um, suburban Boston, mm. eight miles north of Boston. It's called Melrose. And I, uh, I was the daughter of a cop and a teacher, and uh, one of four siblings. So. Yeah. Um, we had a, a nice little family, and I um, I ultimately ended up going to college in Maine, and that's where I met Dave. Dave uh, grew up in Shaker Heights near here, mm-hmm. but um, he decided to go to Maine for school, and that was providential. Mm-hmm. So um, when we got married, I moved back here. He had his job first because he graduated before me, and... So I found my job relative to him, yeah. and that was Northeast Ohio, so here we are. Terrific. Yeah. yeah. What was your job, Trish? I was a teacher and a coach before I was a mom. I always really? said that I felt like that was my training ground for what God really intended for me okay. to be, which was a mom. Okay, yeah. interesting. So, yeah, teaching and coaching is great training for me oh and a mom. God. What grades <laughs> no did you kidding. teach and what sports did you coach? I taught 7th grade World Cultures and Geography. 10th and 11th grade U.S. History, oh. and 11th and 12th grade Government and Politics, and then mm. I coached field hockey, basketball, and track. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I forgot about that. Season. Yeah, wide range. So, yeah. Man, and, uh, and that's where the discipline came in. Yeah, well, a lot <laughs> of that. A lot of that. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and organization, 
you yeah. know, a lot of those things like yeah. came into play relative to being a mom of many. You know, just okay. when you when you have all those, you have to be creative. Like when you have maybe a child in your classroom that that learns differently, mm -hmm. you have to be creative that way. And yeah. I, same thing happened with our family. So, you know, if I couldn't teach them something one way. I was the one that was going to change, not them. Yeah, right. <laughs> I had to figure out how to do it. So interesting. Yeah. So it worked out well, um, but now we have eight kids and twelve grandkids, and uh, and we're still in Northeast Ohio. Here. Okay, great. Yeah. Good to have you. Yeah. So, you know, I guess the biggest thing uh, for, for me, you know, when I took a look at what you guys were doing, the challenges that you had, talk, talk to us about your faith walk, you know, your okay. Christian faith walk and the influence of that and how that gave you the strength you needed to persevere right. and be resilient right. when times were rough. The question yeah. we always got from people yeah. is whatever possessed you to do this. Yeah. You know? I could see and, one or two. And, <laughs> <laughs> The, uh, the, the word possessed always bugged me. You know? Well, like, yeah, well, sure. <laughs> what exactly possession? Right, <laughs> it was no, more sure. of a calling. Right. But now that you asked, let me tell you. <laughs> so, um, yeah. so I said, well, you know, if you're called to do something and you don't do it, you're never going to feel fulfilled in your life. You're never right. going to feel mm -hmm. like you've, you've achieved your purpose for your life. Mm -hmm. And if you're called to do something, it's just better to just obey and move forward right right I mean, it's just it's yeah. the way you're gonna you're gonna be happier that way um and you're always gonna be second guessing yourself what did i miss if you if you take a left when god says go right mm -hmm. right that kind of thing so we always um we always saw it that way and so um when we first got saved i i i was on a more of a journey for about 10 years looking for the truth. I had been raised Catholic mm. and so I had a form of godliness without understanding its power. Right. And, um, mm. and when I got to college and I was studying government politics, I saw priests being murdered in El Salvador mm. and nuns being raped and murdered in Nicaragua mm -hmm. and all this stuff and I'm going, well clearly it's not working for these people. I don't know what's true, yeah. but that's not. And I just, I really, I just sort of flipped. Uh, and that was when I was like 19. I just was like, you know, I, I, I want to find out what really works. Right. So I started going down all these different mm. avenues. Now I didn't hold back. I looked down, I looked down New Age. I looked down Scientology. I looked down Buddhism. I looked down mm. Hinduism. I went down every little road there was. And I started to sort of knit together this quilt of beliefs that was mine. Uh-huh. And I just said, oh, I like that piece and that piece yeah. and that piece. And, and I, was, I was really, I was struggling, but at the same time, I was thinking, I'm looking for the truth and I'm going to kind of create what I believe to be true, which is so like it is nowadays. You know, people want to, mm -hmm. like, oh, your truth is this or that and that kind of thing. Right. And so I, I just, at one point, I, I started to read the Bible because we decided to go to a church um, because we wanted to give our kids a belief system, but we didn't really have one. Mm. And we had three kids at that point. 
and um, Dave had been raised Episcopalian, and I always thought Episcopalian was kind of like Catholic light. Yeah, right. You know, okay. it, was, <laughs> it had a lot of the ritual and a lot of the stand sure, up, sure. sit down, kneel, yeah. this, that, yeah, thing, right. and all that stuff. And I and the vestments on the priests and everything. I was like, well, it sort of reminds me of what I had, yeah. but right. that it's not really. Uh, quite as intense and stuff. So I, I was like, well, that's fine with me. We can go there. So we went to this this church, and I went to a ladies' Bible study, more as a social thing, because the kids wanted to go to the play group that was during that thing. And so it was totally social, and I went to, so I started going to this Bible study. And I really had not delved into the Bible. I had looked down all these avenues thinking I had already been down that other one, but I never had. Oh. I had never, I had never studied the Bible. Mm. I never read the Bible. In fact, I was kind of scared to because, mm -hmm. as a Catholic, I was told I would be told mm -hmm. what I was supposed to right. know. In how there. are you supposed to think? Yeah. Well, John and I were server boys. On top of that, oh. and you know the the crazy thing is when I went Maryland when I met Maryland before I was saved, 10, 12 years ago, I never opened the Bible. We, we never thought we were taught like you that they need to tell us how to interpret it. Right. And so I, you know, I, I was in the same place. I, I was a little bit uh, disenchanted with that too, that whole philosophy. I, yeah. I genuinely was kind of scared, almost yeah. like it was spooky in there. Like yeah. I, I would like my yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and, and, and we had That's one in good. the house, but we dusted it. That's that was us, it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it was like, That's we didn't really you know, do anything. Have, yeah. and, and then I, I, I would read the missalette when I got to church because right. I wanted to see what that knew. But yeah. other right. than that, I, mean, I didn't really think I was allowed in there. And so anyway, so I, so I went to this Bible study. And I started to get some understanding, and I was reading and reading, mm -hmm. and and I would start getting kind of these zings down my spine, like when I would get an understanding of something, I'm like, what is that? You know, it's yeah, like yeah. I would have like a physical manifestation when I, when I would get some understanding about something. But then we decided to go to a couple's Bible study, ah. and um, actually uh, the guy that that led it was Cody Risen, the oh, football player. From the, oh, sure. Cleveland yeah. Browns. Okay. Yeah. Boy, and, that's um, all, yeah. There were a couple of Browns players in mm -hmm. that Bible study. Um, um, now, was this in Shaker Heights, Trish? No, no, this was here. This was actually in Westlake. Oh, in Westlake, okay. Yeah. Um, the, the church was in Bay, but the, the they lived hmm. in Westlake. But um, um, anyway, I, I, I just would pummel him with questions and give him the worst hard time I mean right? I was such a pain in the neck and um and I, but but I was really I was still looking for the truth and because the Bible says that they see the truth will mm -hmm. find it I didn't I wasn't functioning on that premise because I didn't know it was in there but because it's in there it's true mm -hmm. regardless of whether I know it's there mm -hmm. so I, I I was going to find the truth because God said if you seek the truth you will find it so I um, I kept going and and every time I got understanding it helped a little more helped a little more but I still wasn't there I just couldn't get over that lip and then at some point I I said to God I don't want to question it anymore mm. I'm so tired of this questioning mm -hmm. and um, and that's when he, that's when he met me Wow mm. oh that's terrific yeah. that's and how old story. were you then Trish Thirty. 30 years old. Wow. With three children. Yeah. Okay. And how old was Dave at the time? 33 or 34. 
And was Dave at fully on his walk, or was he no, starting to no, come no. into it with you? I would tell him things, yeah. uh, but that I mean, that whole decade journey, I would tell mm-hmm. him things when I'd come to an understanding of something, yeah. and it was no different when I started studying the Bible, but um, but he wasn't really right. there. He was just sort of like, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, um, yeah. so I ultimately... Um, I, I met God, and and so, like, he he basically woke me up one morning, and he and I had it out. Is that right? <laughs> it was just me and him when I got saved. It was no, no walk down the aisle, yeah, yeah. and the pastor said this or that, none of that. It was just wow. me and him, and, um, and yeah, I was, a, I, was a, I was a puddle, and I was so humbled and so happy yeah. because he basically said, excuse me. I'm God. You're not. Let's get. Let's get that. <laughs> and so, yeah. So it was really. It's all chronicled in Eight Was Enough. The beginning of the, yeah. the the whole way he met me and and got a hold of me. But like now, when people say stuff like, "Oh, you know, I heard about this um, Muslim guy in a in a locked up country mm-hmm. that's under Sharia yeah. law and whatever, and he had a dream and he got saved," I'm like, "Yeah, he does that." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, God he is sovereign. <laughs> that he does that because that's how I got saved. Mm-hmm. So, um, but anyway, that was the beginning. And, and shortly thereafter, I started to have a series of dreams. And in the dreams, we had a, a little girl. She was clearly our daughter. Yeah. She had one arm and she was black. And I knew that she was our daughter and, and she had a name and everything. And every time I dreamt about her, her name was Danielle. Every time I dreamt about it, I'd wake up and I'd tell Dave about it. And she was different ages in the right, dreams. Yeah. But she was yeah. our daughter. And um, after the third dream, we were out of town on a business trip. And I woke up, told Dave about it, and we went to the church near us that was um, near the hotel. And um, the pastor was speaking from the pulpit, and he didn't know he was being used as an oracle, but he was. Um, and he started to read from the book of Mark, and he said, um, and Jesus took a child among them and said, he receives me, receives not just me, but him who sent me. Mm-hmm. And, he was, and I was just like, wow. there it is. I, yeah. I just started crying. And Dave's looking at me like, well, I was wrong. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and I was like, well, <laughs> this is Danielle. And so we got home from that, that um trip and we we prayed with a pastor friend of ours and he's like well it's clearly transracial adoption it's clearly special needs child so you know like i guess you just need to start working down that road and we tried Mm -hmm. to walk down that road a number of different ways um and kept having doors slammed in our faces because it's like you have three healthy children at home go home and enjoy them that's it you know they just didn't they didn't even entertain it like just really didn't even entertain it so um, I was telling a woman at our church about it, and she didn't know the whole story, but um, it, it turned out that she had worked for the, the Teen Crisis Pregnancy mm-hmm. Center in Lorraine, yeah. and, uh, and she told me she knew a social worker that really swims upstream against the current, and the current being that at the time, 85% of the kids in care were kids of color, 15% of the families that were adopting were of color, okay? So you had exactly the flip-flop mm-hmm. 
and she said that this this lady is willing to swim upstream against that whole tide and 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 she she just knows that the I mean and I felt that way too just that that there are kids of color may be better off in a family of mm. color but they're not better off in long-term foster care and they're not better off in institutional care so yeah. if we have to have them be in a transracial adoption it's better than leaving them in the other alternative mm -hmm. and she was that way too you know, so I, I looked up some stats because it was interesting for me. You know, this isn't an area that I, I really looked into before this. But it said that 33% of Americans think of adopting a child, but only 2% actually do. So that's number one. I, that, that's where the concern is about, you know, why were they fighting with you? And then you look at the stats. Uh, there are around 135,000 children in the U.S. who are adopted each year. Um, of which 15% are voluntarily relinquished babies, 26% are from other parts of the world, and 59% are from foster families. Okay, of the adopted children, 39% are non-Hispanic white, whereas 73% of adopted parents are non-Hispanic white. 40% of total adopted children are of a different race, a culture compared to other adoptive parents. But here's the stat that blew me away. The U.S. government spends a staggering $4.3 billion a year on foster care. Is that right? Yeah. And so why would they, why would they be fighting to have... Anyway, I, I just, I thought, I'm yeah. like, wow. Well, and, and honestly, at a, at a certain point, we were foster parents as well. Yeah. We adopted initially, but then uh, we also became foster parents and fostered to adopt. Right. So we would foster kids were highly mm. likely to become adoptable because moves change kids. Right. I mean, they just yeah. change them. It's, it's another trauma on top of the trauma. Yeah, right. So, like, one of our sons was in a, a very neglectful uh, household. Yeah. Uh, he was taken into foster care. He was put in, the, in a, a pretty abusive foster care situation. And then he was put in our house. So now this little guy wasn't even three. Oh, and he'd been through two traumatic households. Yeah. And then he was coming into our household. Had he become permanent custody, and he did, when he became permanent custody, he would have been moved again because a lot of foster homes are strictly foster. It's, now, when does mm. foster by definition, Trish, mean that you have a certain span of time that they're in the foster care? I mean, are they like one year, two year? Is there it's, a no, maximum? there's not a certain amount of time. It has to do with uh, whether there's a, a, a case being worked by a biological parent. Okay. And if they're working their case plan and they're making any progress, then, then it can take time. I mean, if they're addicted or something mm -hmm. and they're, they're getting clean or if they're in prison and they're getting out or whatever. But some, some parents just don't get it together. Um, I actually had another stat, and this will be the last one. On average, 60% of children spend two to five years in foster care before being adopted. Almost 20% will spend five or more years mm -hmm. in adopted care or foster care. Some children obviously will never find an, uh, an adoptive family. So Yeah, and yeah. that's really sad when they, <clears throat> yeah. when they age out of the system yeah. and they're just floating along as an 18-year-old out there Gosh. now and, and wow. family and no support. 
Um, but 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 to your your point about mm-hmm. the cost of foster care, Dave and I didn't want to be paid as foster parents. Uh-huh. We we just wanted to adopt. Yes. But for instance, one of our kids, not the same one that I talked about before, but one of our kids, um, there was a legal glitch that that happened early on, and so he was supposed to mm-hmm. be permanent custody. So you go into um, it's called emergency custody first, then temporary custody, then it becomes permanent custody. So emergency custody is when they first find out about the problem in the family. Temporary custody is while they're trying to work out the problem. And then permanent custody is when the problem can't be worked out. We're yeah. taking them full-time permanent custody and they become adoptable. So he was taken um, at birth uh, and the, there was, he was supposed to become adoptable at 90 days because this was like, eighth or ninth birth of the mom and and she hadn't gotten her act together mm-hmm. and so based mm-hmm. on the history yeah. they were going to take custody at 90 days it got messed up by the social worker and it would she didn't appeal uh, apply till 91 days which opened the door for the birth mom to use the system and she did she used the system to her advantage and she would just keep kicking the can down the road changing mm. the name of the birth <clears throat> father doing what she had to do mm. to keep that whole ball rolling and so this little guy that we mm-hmm. we could have adopted at 90 days we adopted him when he was four four years old so you had him all that time foster, with foster yeah. parents mm-hmm. wow I see. <clears throat> yeah you know, so one of the things that I remember um, it w- in talking to Dave um, is that there were sometimes timelines where the where the parents, the biological parents, could come back into the game and say, "No, we we, we want our child back." And and there were it was teetering. I know at times like a week, a few days, and you guys were in court and whatnot. Did you choose to have open? communications and visits with the biological parents for any of them or how did you guys handle that the the kids that were taken yeah. into custody um, there are are uh, legally mandated visits so you'd have visitation with the birth mom and and bring the baby to like a center down in Cleveland or right. whatever um, and some of them had had to do overnight visits which was really really rough on us um, they stayed with you or the, no, how did no, that? No. They go with oh, the child. Oh, then they would go the with uh, right. Would go, with, go the with the parent. Did you uh, ever have any runners or anybody that would take it? Well, one of our birth moms was a runner, but she didn't run from us. Her oh. her initial thing was she took uh, one of our daughters uh, was born addicted to crack and was syphilis, mm. and she stole her out of the hospital. She was supposed to be taken into custody by the county. Wow. But the mom took her out of the hospital at night, and the night shift didn't know she was being taken into oh, custody. Yeah. And she was on the lam with her for three months before they found her. And so the those things didn't get treated, which ended up mm. harming our daughter's brain. Mm. And she ended up with MRDD issues and all that stuff because birth mom had run. Well, the birth mom didn't know it, but later we had another one of her kids so we knew she was a runner so it made me extra nervous okay. whenever he would have to go to these things because i knew her history and i was like okay god oh, you're gonna have to protect this situation <laughs> because wow. i'm like uh, yeah a little it's shaky here wow. now trish you have three children of your own at this time you yes. yeah now you have an, uh, the adopted child is coming into the family unit 
How does your children, and what are their ages, and how do they respond? We never really mess with our birth order. Uh-huh. So yeah, I heard about our that. Yeah. kids generally just mm-hmm. took it as that's how kids come into the family. Oh. Like, like mm-hmm. we always told them that God has different ways of getting kids into families. One of them is being born there. Yeah. And then another way is through fostering yeah. and adopting and that kind of thing. And so uh, they were very receptive um, when we first started, our oldest son, I said, you know, I was having a little talk with him in the car about how dad and I think, yeah. you know, we might do this thing or whatever. And I said, you know, and some kids don't have moms and dads or, or whatever, and that they don't have a good family. And so we were thinking maybe we'd share our family with these kids and da da da. And he was just like little. He was just <laughs> like, let me think. That was a good approach. Like though. I six like that. or yeah. seven. Yeah. And, uh, and he, and, he, and he goes, I don't know. And I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> and then he goes, but I think we should do it right away. <laughs> wow. I was like, Whew, okay, good. <laughs> and, something. and that was the general yeah. response of your three yeah, children. Yeah, it generally was. In fact, uh, at one of our um, children's homecoming, actually it was our seventh child, when I brought him home uh, as a mm-hmm. foster child, um, so we had six at home. <clears throat> they were out playing in the snow. And I, I, I brought him home from county. And uh, there was a woman that was visiting from church. I didn't actually remember that she was there, she, but she was visiting. But she just sort of watched the whole thing happen. And she told me as a, like an outside observer. And um, she said, I was in tears because your kids just took them in like an amoeba. Whoa. <laughs> they just <clears throat> sort of surrounded him. It's like, okay, he's one of us now, you know. It's amazing. Yeah, really? and uh, so, yeah. Did, did the, was that uh, the same situation as they started to get older? Yeah, I mean, it, really? it, they never thought of each other as different in mm. some way just because they're biological or adopted. Nobody ever thought of each other as different. Is just... You know, I mean, did they have sibling rivalry? Yes, but that had more to do with, you know, things going on in the family. Yeah, and that normal, kind of stuff. yeah, right. Yeah, normal stuff. Yeah, sure, sure. Typical, typical things you'd find. So with, now you're uh, going to have siblings. You continue over how many years to adopt? You finally get up eight children adopted, was it? No, five no, were adopted. Five and three of your own. Okay. So yeah. when we got to seven, <clears throat> uh, we were steady at seven for a few years. Yeah. Um, and we were thinking, you know, seven's a godly number. Okay, this is perfect good. number. Yeah. God, are we done yet? And yeah, perfection. People, yeah, and then, and, uh, you know, seven days in the week, it's a godly number. Um, but we we really, I mean, when people would say, are you done? i go, I think so, but I really don't know that. Mm. And, uh, and Dave was like, you know, after 40, I really don't want to have more kids because I don't want to be the old grandpa at the, the high school graduation yeah, right, okay. and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. And uh, I was like, yeah, I get that, but you know, when you when when you're a child of God, you're on an eternal timeline. It really doesn't matter what your biological age is. You're on an eternal timeline. So um, he just, yeah, he he had made that little declaration. But then one morning, after everybody was out the door to go to school, the phone rang, and I thought. It was one of the teachers because usually I would get a call from a teacher before the school day starts. Yeah. And um, mm. I didn't know which one. I was like, oh, which one's it going to be? Yeah, yeah. You know. And I, and I answered the phone and it was a social worker and and she said, you know, your 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 daughter 
has a biological brother in the nursery at Metro. He's four days old, and they want him out of there today. Four days. Four days, yeah. And I was like, okay, I will call you back. It's <laughs> 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 a new okay. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and so, yeah, we had nothing was six days old. Six days um, But anyway, I called Dave, and by nightfall, he was home. But we had given away all our baby stuff. I mean, wow. all of it. There wasn't anything left in the house. I mean, we had given it all away. Uh, Dave was actually on the board of a, a, a crisis pregnancy center, and we had given just all this stuff to all these other um, women that were in need. And so, yeah, I, I picked him up in a car seat with a tag attached, boxes in the trunk. I, I mean, I just really didn't have anything. We'd given oh it all gosh. away. And, we, and so, um, the next day, the word got out to church that the Campbells have another baby and they don't have any stuff, and it all walked in there. Amazing. Really yeah, cool. Yeah, that's yeah neat. like stroller and the changing table and the, the, oh, that's, the crib that's and the high chair and the, all the whole thing. Four days old. Oh, yeah. my gosh. Yeah. yeah. How did you handle favoritism? I mean, how, how did how did you guys handle that? They, I mean, they didn't really didn't come up see much or, that. Yeah? No, they didn't see that as favoritism or anything I mean that they, they're all just different individuals that have to be handled differently you know and so I mean our, our discipline was consistent yeah. our our chore system was consistent I, I mean what the way we handled things we just stayed consistent and but instinctually I'm thinking about biological connection to your DNA kids right mm -hmm. and if it were me uh, I'd probably be struggling with that I'd be like Tristan you know yeah this is okay or Tegan I, I, I guess so you and Dave really didn't have that that issue at all everybody was equal and yeah well, everybody was themselves and 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 God brought them to our family mm -hmm. a different way but it didn't make any difference um, as far as how we perceive them as growing <clears throat> and, and yeah. maturing as I mean everybody needed some to be parented differently. yeah right um, we always said that all kids really are special needs. Mm -hmm. I mean, their special needs just differ. Mm -hmm. And um, so, you know, I mean, they they all knew some of the kids needed extra helps and stuff, mm -hmm. but they didn't see <clears throat> us giving them extra helps as somehow taking away from them. Right. We always said it's, you know, love is not really like a pie that you get a piece of and there's less of, you right. know, it just expands, right? Yeah. So, um, everybody's going to get a whole pie. <laughs> you know? well, yeah. It's just going to be a different thing, you know. And so. so what year yeah. was that, Trish? I mean, your first adoption, what year was that and where are you at now today, right, you know, 2022 with the children? Because I'm not that familiar as yeah, David yeah, with the, yeah, sure. or our listeners yeah, either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. So, um, 93, uh, so 90, 92, we got our first little guy, and um, he was finalized 92. in '93. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yep. And um, and interestingly, thirty years ago. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's thirty. Um, interestingly, he um, he was our first adoption, and you would think it would be a girl because of Danielle, right? Um, but he was a multiracial special needs kid, and and once we got him home. Um, no doubt in our minds that that was God's. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I can. I mean, it's very clear in the book why mm -hmm. he was the first one. But, but um, when we got him home, as much as we loved him, we still felt like Danielle was out there, mm. and and she was. So when 
you know, we both kind of confessed to each other, like, I still think Danielle's out there, because people would think you're nuts. You've got four little kids, yeah, right. and you're still thinking there's another one out there. And so we were like, yeah, we do. Mm-hmm. And so, um, yeah. And ultimately, we finalized both of them around about the same time. It's kind of, kind of crazy. Um, but those two were only 18 months apart. Okay. In age. Then you continue on, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you, was it every year? I mean, how, what was the sequencing in terms yeah, of? Yeah, I'd say it was about, it sometimes it was a little less than every other year, but basically it was every other year. Okay. And um, so the kids, by the time we had, so let's say when we had all eight, mm-hmm. the oldest was 14, and then it went 12, 10, 8, 8, 6, mm. 4, well, okay. 0. <laughs> Pretty yeah. yeah. Pretty regulated. Okay. Yeah. So it was pretty, yeah. Was and, a couple dogs. <laughs> and a couple dogs. I have to have my dogs that keep me sane. <laughs> okay. okay, this is WNCN uh, coming to you from Lorain, Ohio, with a very interesting guest today, Trish Campbell. And Trish is going to tell us a little about her life, her and her husband, and the adoption of five children. And just this incredible story because they have three children of their own. And then you wrote a book, too. Yes. So, uh, once again, we're very happy to have her with us today, 89.1 FM radio, and we're just going to go to the next part. What do you think, Dave? Yeah. And um, learn more about how you did it. You right. Know, I mean, a lot, of, yeah, a lot of us have problems, you know, I don't want to call them problems, challenges just with our own little guys, yeah. you know, too. But how, how does this, because there's so many factors are playing into this family unit at this time, and I just want to turn it over to you on that one. Okay. Um, people used to say that a lot. They would say, like, how do you do that? Mm-hmm. I go, honestly, I don't know. You're welcome to come over and watch. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. We just do. And and then it wasn't until later, in hindsight, that I could actually process mm-hmm. it and say, this is how we did it. And that's what's in the book. You know, it's a, a, it, Yes, it's a memoir as far as the way God did the whole thing. Um, it has some really cool miracles in it that, that God did. But um, it also ends up being somewhat of a parenting book. There's a lot of good parenting in there. Um, there's, you know, how we did chore systems, how we did discipline, how we did huh. all these different things with the kids. And, and, and some fun things to do as a large family, ways to handle different aspects of being a large family. And uh, yeah, it, it, it was basically that all that processing ended up being part of the book. And the book's name is? Eight Was Enough, Eight A was God-Led enough. Adventure yeah. with Adopted and Special Needs Kids. Yeah. Eight Was Enough. A yeah. God-Led Adventure. Subtitle, okay. With Adopted and Special Needs Kids. And people can get that on Amazon? Yes, or, yeah. Eight Is Enough, we'll mention that again. It was yeah. enough. If was you, enough, not the movie. Was enough. Oh, yeah. 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 I know people do that. Was, <laughs> was enough. enough. Okay. Yes, yeah, exactly. And it's yeah. by Trish Campbell or Trisha. Trisha Campbell. K. Campbell. Yeah. Trisha K. Campbell. Yeah. We'll, we'll mention that again. Absolutely. You can go on my website as well. It's TrishaKCampbell.com. TrishaKCampbell.com. Yep. T r i s h a k Campbell. We'll say that again. If you look close up. Okay. All right. Can you tell us? How do I how do I say surprises or like when you've seen God's hand in the over the years of raising these children or challenges? Just share with our us as well as our listeners right. some of those things. Well, you know, I always say that God said 
well done, good and faithful servant, mm -hmm. right? And he, he didn't say, well done, good and successful yeah, right. servant. Okay, <laughs> so, right. so I didn't always expect myself to, you know, like hit a home run every time or to do everything perfectly mm -hmm. or whatever. I mean, I, thankfully I got delivered from that. Um, but, but yes, there were a lot of challenges because four of the five adopted kids were on IEPs. I don't know if you know what those are. No. It's called Individualized yeah. Education Plan, and it's for uh, special kids that it's, it's actually a federal law that, that kids have to have an IEP that are on special education. Okay. There's another one that's kind of like IEP light, and it's called a 504 plan, and our fifth child had a 504 plan, um, just had ADHD. Um, but I mean that's you can't you can't really kind of fathom how many different things that they need yeah, right. until you you get into it. So when you you first get a child, you're basically in a space of learning your child. You're yeah. learning to read your child. You're mm -hmm. trying to figure out different things that, that maybe trauma has impacted them or their birth circumstances have impacted them or whatever. And you need to get therapies on board, um, whatever you need to get for that child to succeed. And um, there were a lot of difficult times, but there were a lot of very good times. Is I that mean, right? This, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, the the, the hard part is, you know, answering some of the more difficult questions that they have with their lives, you know, that they came from a situation that was not exactly ideal. But our, our thought on that was to always wait till they ask the question. Don't bring up something that a child's not ready to handle. Okay. So, which is why I have such an issue with them bringing up all this, like, transgender sex education stuff way earlier in a kid's yeah. life. They're not even asking these questions. Don't yeah. bring up something that they're not mature enough to even process. Exactly. So if a child asks a question, it basically means they're ready for the answer. And you have to sort of discern by their age and their aptitude and everything else what they're ready to hear mm -hmm. at that point. So mm -hmm. like when my son asked me where his biological father was, and I had to tell him, I wasn't gonna lie to him, but I told him he was in prison, mm -hmm. and he wanted to know why, and I had to tell him why, but I didn't tell him more than than he really was ready oh, to hear okay. at his age, right? I didn't, I wasn't gonna get into the nitty gritty of it. Um, but at the same time, I, I never lied to the kids. I always tried to give them what helped them to answer whatever yeah. their curiosity was at that time. Um, but yeah, it, it, I mean, it was, yes, there were difficult times, and, but, but God never said it was going to be easy, yeah. right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. Just, right. That's the way it is. Um, and, uh, well, well, you know, so, go ahead, uh, Years ago, I was a social worker in social services. Yeah. And uh, we used to have a saying that no two children are born into the same family. Because when it's another child comes in, the whole dynamic, and it you does. guys, what I'm hearing your story, Trisha, Dave, it's just amazing how you had to adjust yeah. all these different yeah. needs, it was never, stresses. It was never, everything. let's get back to normal. It was yeah, like, right. Let's go forward and find our new normal. <laughs> because yeah. it was going to be a new normal. It, it had normal. to be, right? No, normal is just a setting on the washing machine. Right. Nobody knows what normal is. Exactly, exactly. And I always, you know, I always believed that Christianity was about how to, 
face life's difficulties. It Whoa. wasn't about not, you know, escaping them. Yeah. That's not what Christianity is about. You That's know? such a, 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 yeah. a, a powerful point that you just brought up there, Trish. Because many people today, we're, the gospel is the prosperity, you get this and that. But I think the world wants to know how do we go through trials yes. and how do we go through sufferings mm -hmm. by, by with the Lord's help and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and the guidance of the Holy Scripture. So I, I like you to touch on that okay. point because that's yeah. a, an yeah. amazing so I, at one point we were we were really struggling with we had five teenagers at the time and it was it was a hairy time and uh one of them was kind of running away and being promiscuous on a pretty regular basis another one was having trouble with stealing and uh, it was just uh, it was a lot mm -hmm. and um, I got together with a bunch of my my friends that that are that would hold us up in prayer for different things and I I just asked for prayer and I just sort of like kind of lost it at, at a point and, and you know you have to have friends that you can lose it with right and I just was like what God how, how he said he would never give me more than I can handle well he straightened me out. He <laughs> later, you know, it was yeah. like later. God, when it got me alone, he's like, "Do you remember how you said that?" And I got, yeah. <laughs> and um, and it's like he's like, he showed me the scripture, and it wasn't he wouldn't give you more than you could handle when you were going through temptation. That he would never give you more than you could handle. He didn't say he wouldn't give you something you can't handle. He said, and basically he said, Trish, I will never give you more than I can handle. And he meant him. Right? Yeah, okay. Right? Yeah. He said, I didn't say I'd really never give you more than you can handle. I'll just never give you more than I can handle. Mm -hmm. How's that? And I was like, okay, that sounds good. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. And uh, and he he has been faithful, you know, to just mm. handle these things and one after the other. And Amazing. Yeah, yeah, it is. David. Uh, how did uh, you and Dave handle it together? I mean, in terms of your faith, because, you know, I can see, because I, I know Dave, and I know the success he had in business, uh, he had some senior level jobs that were very demanding. Yeah. So to come home to that environment, yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, on top of it, where, where you're trying to get a little bit of a break, right? right. And, and, right. and re-energize the batteries. Yeah. Um, how did your faith get you through that? We... Both, I mean, we, we both respected what each other did. Mm -hmm. I respected how how he handled mm -hmm. um, going to work every day and 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 providing beautifully for this enormous family. I mean, you know, you think of struggling to get tuition or whatever, but like just putting shoes on eight kids yeah. is no small deal. No. I mean, we would go to an Indians game and have a big bag of snacks and whatever for the yeah. kids and they'd be like can I get a lemon monster <laughs> only five dollars <laughs> no they're not they're forty dollars <laughs> yeah, eight good. times five is forty dollars no that's kidding good. and so that's the truth so, <laughs> yeah I'm like here I got snacks what and is it like, now <laughs> I don't even know but but we all yeah. Dave and I always kept date night uh -huh. uh, oh. Sometimes stuff would come up, or, or there'd be a parent-teacher conference, or there'd be a, something else get in the way, but we never let it go too long without having That's date night. That's great. We kept date night, so that it was just us, and it was, and we tried not to talk about the kids. As much as we could. Well, that's that's yeah. rough that's not to do though. I can't yeah. imagine. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, so who babysat Team Campbell when you guys were? So 
we <laughs> were blessed <laughs> to have along our lifetime we had a couple of times different people that lived with us um, and just in exchange for help with the kids they they lived with us and it happened a few times with people that were going into the mission field or going into oh. the ministry or whatever and they weren't quite there yet and they needed some place and um, we had that happened three times but then the fourth time was um, a young woman that actually I used to coach uh -huh. I was her coach oh. when she was in high school and um, she uh, really needed uh, she couldn't afford a place of her own, but she and her mom were having difficulties, and she thought, if I stay in my mom's house, we're going to really trash our relationship. I need to find a way to get out. And I just said, I don't know if you'd be open to this, but Dave and I have done this a number of times where people have lived with us and just helped us with the kids in exchange for room and board. And if you want to do that, that'd be great. And she, she did. So she moved in with us, and everything was going along swimmingly. And then we got our seventh child, who was uh, mm. autistic and legally mm. blind. Mm. And wow. I had just I taken that, yeah. on a varsity basketball team that needed help coaching. Um, they, they had lost their coach in October. And you were supposed to be on the court November 1. Yeah. And their coach uh, basically got moved out of state. And they, they, they needed a girls' varsity basketball coach. And it was a Christian school that our kids were attending. Actually, our kids were only in the lower school. But it was the high school that they knew about my history. I don't even know how. Yeah, right. They knew I used to be a, a varsity basketball coach. And so they asked me, would you please consider doing this? And oh, I, was like, yeah. I brought it home to the family. And I said, listen, they need me to do this. You guys are going to have to sit in the library and do your homework and stuff after school instead of coming straight home. No, no, Mom, that'd be fun. Let's do this. And so I, I took this, this team. And then we get a call with a, a little guy that needed foster <laughs> care like within a month. And so I, we asked Michelle, uh, this was, uh, Michelle was her name, the, the woman that had come to live with us, uh, if she would consider working part-time for us and part-time outside the house. She was full-time outside the house at that point, but we asked her if she would work part-time for us and we would like pay her part-time. And, and so she prayed about it and felt like that would be a smart thing to do. And so she really kicked in at that point as being like kind of power nanny and so she she helped us through that and then life life moves on things are going along fine she's doing the part-time nanny and the part-time working outside the house thing and then we got our eighth child and after we got our eighth child I started to have health problems of like four or five months after we got him this is the little guy that was only four oh, days mm -hmm. old and I had pretty significant health problems and um, and it was at that point Dave's like can you go full-time for us <laughs> you know because <laughs> I really need you to step up here and so we started paying Michelle full-time and room and board to, to take care of our, our, our brood and me and whatever and so anyway Michelle started with our family when she was 25 she's still with our family is that so right she's in her 50s <laughs> Is that so, right? Yeah, Incredible. Yeah. Wow. So she's been, yeah. So, your answer yeah. to the question about yeah. date night, There it is. Michelle. There it is, Michelle. <laughs> Interesting. Yes. Wow. God provided, yeah. 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 No Prior to Michelle coming, we, we had different uh, babysitters wow. yeah. and stuff, but, but after that, it was, yeah. it was Michelle. And Trish, how do you divide the book? I mean, how do you, 
how does that arc of the storyline go in your book? So it starts out, um, it starts out in Melrose a little bit, you know, uh-huh. where my beginning, and then it goes through um, how God got a hold of me, and then it goes through uh, all the different cool miracles he did, and things, doors that he opened, and the way that he did it, and and uh, and things that happened over the lifetime of our family, and that kind of thing. And uh, it ultimately ends up with kind of a recap of where the kids are at and how they're doing and stuff like that. And there's a lot of good parenting skills in there's there. There's a lot in there about parenting, but it's also just a good story and a real God-glorifying story. Yeah. And, um, and then there's, there's a lot in there about adoption and fostering. And, and it's not something that we think is for everybody at all. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're called to it, you'll never be happy unless you do it. But if you're not mm-hmm. called to it, don't just do it because you think it's a nice thing to do. Yeah, it's right. it's not it's not for the faint of heart, and it's not for. Some, I, I just would say, God's got to be on board. You know <laughs> right. what I mean? He's, he's the he's the hub of that wheel. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. So yeah. Yeah, so, that's good. Yeah, that's good. So, yeah. so so give us some life lessons after all this. Life lessons. Yeah, you, you know, because part of our listener group, we have single mothers. Mm-hmm. We've got parents that are challenged with their kids. I mean, so anything you can do to inspire or right. we've got about six minutes left. Okay, we got yeah. about six minutes. Any left. way you want to, yeah. Take any it. way you okay. want to take it. Um, well, first I'd say relative to our our kids are um, our our first adoption was multiracial special needs little guy from Lorraine, mm-hmm. and um, and then the other four were from inner city Cleveland. And um, so four are black and one is multiracial. And so we went through a lot of things with that, uh, but that was not the most important thing. And we always taught the kids that. You know, the most important thing about who you are is who you are inside. It's not your outside. And so I would say with all this race mm-hmm. obsession right yeah. now, yeah. Um, Race is really important to racists, but it's really not as important as who you are. And the rest of us care about character, and Mm. that's the important part. And so um, the more you focus on race, the more race becomes the issue. So I would say stop focusing on it. That's not such a big deal, right? I mean, it's just not. Um, The other thing is um, I would say... Uh, one of the one of the joys of motherhood, anyway, is to just see your kids start to flourish and to start to come to a knowing of themselves. All your kids are different, so so make sure you do read your child or children. Don't treat them all the same. Don't say I treat you all the same, or or I, I you know I love everybody the same. Mm-hmm. No, you don't. No, you don't. That's true. <laughs> you can't. Mm-hmm. You can't. They're all individuals. So if you're saying that that we're all individuals, don't don't basically negate that by by saying you know I love you all the same. You don't. And um, mm-hmm. they I mean they're just different. Um, I would say. Uh, to remember that that God never gives you more than He can handle. <laughs> That that one was clear as a bell <laughs> to me, you know. This, and uh, we always taught the kids, and some of our kids are more profoundly disabled than others, right? Um, like uh, one of our daughters, her IQ is in the 60s. It's rough, 
and she she spent a lot of her lifetime trying to hold up a mask of being mm. typical. Mm. It was very hard to watch as a parent. It was very hard to get her to sort of embrace that she had these deficits and stuff. But but we had a little sign that was on the wall the whole time the kids were growing up, and it says, everyone has to row with the oars he has. Mm, that's good. Yeah, I like that. And yeah. so, you know, you might have some oars that, that you have to do double time to get anywhere, mm -hmm. right? And somebody else might have a breeze of a time, or somebody else has oars that are really good at, at rowing through sports, and somebody else is really good at rowing through academics. Mm -hmm. But you, you just have to, that's why you have to read your child, you know, see how they, how they handle things and, and where are their strengths, but where are their weaknesses, mm -hmm. and how can I help them with those and shore those things up. Um, I would say another thing would be definitely keep your your marital relationship strong if you have one um, because a threefold cord is never broken right and so when you you have your husband yourself and God and you're you're intertwined that that's that's where your strength lies mm -hmm. um, and and if you don't have a, a significant other bringing something into it that would make it weaker is not a wise move. Sure. Yeah. Don't don't go there. I mean, just you and God can make a a, a, a strong union yeah, together, right. right? You right. know, I mean that that and if you bring in a, a weak thread into that, it can make it worse, right? So you don't want to do that. Um, and always look at it as a that parenting as a teamwork thing. I've seen a few too many marriages where you could tell it was kind of a competition, like. Like, you changed that diaper. I changed the last oh, one. You know what yeah, I mean? Or, yeah. or, 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 you know, I fed sure. the dog last time. You get it this time. Or that kind of thing. It's mm -hmm. like, no. It's a teamwork thing, mm -hmm. right? You don't, you don't want to turn it into a competition. Um, and that your strength really comes from those things that you overcome, not mm -hmm. from things that you're so good at, yeah, right? I mean, like, it comes from overcoming what you once thought you couldn't do. You're stretched, right. faithfully stretched. Right, and, and, and called to do something that is outside of your realm of, of comfort. I mean, when Jesus told the apostles to go get the loaves and the fishes, he's like, all right, what do you have? Mm -hmm. He's like, I got five loaves, five barley loaves, and three fish. Right. So Jesus said to him, what do you have? I'm like... Here I am. This is what I have. Yeah. I, when we started this whole process, I was a bouncing baby new Christian. I knew one scripture, and you know, I mean, I, I knew that. I finally I knew that Job wasn't spelt with an e on the end of it. <laughs> Other than that, I didn't know much. <laughs> so he says, "Bring what you have, and I want to work with that." That's good. Right? Yeah. yeah and he really. did. So the apostles brought to him these five lo barley loaves, three fishes. He goes, okay, what do you have? I can work with that. And he multiplied it and multiplied it and multiplied well, it. that's good too. Right? So yeah. I, I'm just saying, whatever you have, he can work with. Just bring what you have. Yeah, sure. Bring who you are. Little is much when God is in it. Yeah. Right. Little. <laughs> right. So in the uh, <coughs> summary, and I want you to give out information again yeah. about the book. Okay. And where they can find it. But so where are the children now, or where are you guys with, in terms of your family? They're all over the place. Is that right? Um, yeah, there's a, a couple out in Colorado. There's one up, no, two up in Michigan, and then the rest around here. Uh, one's in Youngstown, one's in Eastlake, one's in Beechwood. Oh, boy. And one's still So you have an empty, quote-unquote, empty nest now? Well, we have one. Our, our youngest is okay. with us. 
but okay. other than that, that's, a, that's an amazing story. Yeah. That is. That's yeah, an amazing that. story. And again, Trish, can you give, thank, first of all, thank you for taking time yeah. out of your oh, busy, you. busy schedule to. Um, to be part of the show. I, I know our listeners are going to like it, but, but could you please give that information on the book sure. and how they can go to your site and everything? Sure. Um, so the website is trishakcampbell.com, T-R-I-S-H-A-K-C-A-M-P-B-E-L-L.com. Uh, you can buy the book on the website, or you can go to Amazon and look up It Was Enough, and you'll it, you'll get the book that way. Um, it's also in Fireside Books down in Chagrin Falls and in the Parkside Bookstore at our church. Um, and it's, yeah, I think it's at the library in a couple of different places. Um, so, yeah. You can Terrific. All right. Yeah. Ways, well, so. thank you very much for coming. And once again, this is WNZN Radio. And if you like to hear the show, all our shows are archived. So if you go to uh, www.john1421.com, uh, you'll see it. There's a link on the left, and it, it has all of our shows. And this show will be listed there probably in a week's time. And, yeah. uh, but the show, I'm, I'm hoping, will probably be on this Saturday. Yeah. And once again... You can hear the show, but if you're on the west side of Cleveland, that it's better to live stream it. You found out that to be true, Dave. That's yes, what we absolutely. do. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So thank you, Trish. Thank you, David, for coming. God bless you guys and yeah, all you do. And uh, just an amazing story yeah. of God's amazing grace. You know. Thank you, thank you very much. Have God a good bless weekend. You all. Take care, everybody. Take care.